Welcome to the On Your Left podcast, a politics podcast that's probably to your left. I'm Katrina Ames. I use she, them pronouns. I am Nirali. I use she, her pronouns, and um, I am very tired right now, but... Aren't we all? That's fine. (laughs) It's Memorial Day weekend. It's a long weekend. It is. And I understand that although I took the long weekend to do things like sleep, you decided to move. Uh, yeah, I... (laughs) Yeah, um, my sister and I decided not to renew our lease (laughs) for our apartment that's sitting empty in New York right now. Um, so we went into the city and started moving, um... Because the rent is too damn high, and they weren't going to decrease it, even though the real estate market is plummeting right now. It's fine. Today's not about real estate or why the rent is too damn high. If you want to get our show notes, um, uh, links to all of the sources we've got, and some cool perks, you can check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash onyourleftpod. Um... It's a good time there. Our tiers are creatively named after mango items, which is nice. So you brought the topic today, Nirali. So what what are we talking about today? So today we're talking about Disney and how I really don't want to pay for Disney Plus. Well, actually, that's kind of how the topic started. And then I then I remembered how much Disney owns and how much... Disney, how massive Disney is and how they're like not paying their workers and stuff. So today we're talking about Disney and like antitrust laws and why basically Disney bad, Disney company bad. Disney was, it has been in the news recently for obviously like creating Disney plus and like having all your favorite old nostalgic things on there and like putting the new Star Wars Baby Yoda thing on there. Um, I do not watch Star Wars, but I hear, I see Baby Yoda, and I, and I get joy, so I get it. I get Star Wars now. But, (laughs) Disney, uh, was in the news, uh, for furloughing 43,000 of their workers, um, after it closed a couple months ago for the coronavirus pandemic, um, and, uh, like, after the Disney parks closed worldwide and everything, and that got me angry, basically, because Disney can afford to to not furlough these workers. They can they can keep sending them money, even though they're not working right now. Um, and yeah, basically that was a disaster. Um, and also, basically, Disney contributes a lot to the economy because of the sheer amount of stuff they own. So um, a lot of investors and like stock market people look at Disney as like a signifier for if the economy is doing well or not. And like if they see that Disney parks might open in a month, um, like might reopen in a month, the stock market will go up. Or if Disney parks are closing, the stock market will go down, etc. So that's why it's been in the news. Um, and also, Percy Jackson is coming to Disney+, and that, that's huge um, for Percy Jackson fans like me. <laughs> I did just start reading the Heroes of Olympus series. 
And it's, oh, how is it? You know, it's pretty good. I forget a lot of the original Percy Jackson series, so I'm just like, who is that? What does that mean? But luckily I was a nerd when I was a child, yeah. so I remember, like, the Greek thing. Yeah, I, I read Percy Jackson when I was in, like, fifth grade, so I don't really remember it. So I haven't read Heroes of Olympus yet, but I did read the Magnus Trait. Magnus Chase trilogy, which was delightful and has a bi-gender love interest. And it's amazing. And it's like a little more a, like young adult versus like middle grade. So it's really, it's fun. It's a good time. And it's about Norse mythology, which is fun. And it, because, because Disney owns the Percy Jackson series, they get to reference the Marvel Thor in it. So, as of February 25th, 2020, Disney had an estimated net worth of $130 billion. They could probably could have not furloughed their workers or done things like close the Disney College program and laying off workers, including people in the International College program who were told they needed to leave their housing within four days' notice. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I remember very conveniently, like, the day they did that, Frozen 2 was announced it was going to be put on Disney Plus, and I was like, oh man, Frozen 2, this is great. Yeah. I um, love the manipulation I, of Twitter I, trends. Yeah, I, I can't verify this, but I know Jenny Nicholson tweeted about how, like, the Disney workers being furloughed was, like, a top-trending thing, and then Frozen 2 was announced, and that just disappeared. That news, complete, like, completely disappeared off of Twitter, at least. Um... And it's like, well, Disney can control the narrative about their company, like, ridiculously easily. Um, because they own so many properties you love and can just make you feel good things and, and ignore the bad things about them. Um, and, you know, to some extent, every company is able to control the narrative around them a little bit. I mean, they hire PR professionals, they have communications teams, they know what they're doing. But not everybody owns Frozen 2. So this is an incomplete list of the companies Disney owns. ESPN, ABC, Freeform, 21st Century Fox, Touchstone Pictures, Marvel, The History Channel, Lucasfilm, Pixar, Disney Parks, Nat Geo, Hulu, Disney Plus, Disney Cruise Lines, Buena Vista Entertainment, Disney Hyperion Publishing Company, The Muppets, Maker Studios. Disney Music Group has an agreement with Universal Music Group for distribution, but like, they, they have a very large share of Universal Music Group because of that. The Star Channels in India, UTV Film Production, the, the UTV Film Production Company in India, those two shocked me because I had no idea and those, like the Star Channels are kind of, they're also sold like as the Indian channels in America. So like I've consumed a lot of the Star Channel stuff. I had, I, I had zero idea growing up that it, like until like I started researching this week that it had anything to do with Disney. Like those serials that your parents watched if you're Indian. Um, Disney helped produce them or distribute them or something. Like UTV is a film production company that just does Bollywood movies. Disney. Um, And the UK Sky channels, like those are pretty big channels in the UK. Disney, who knew? What? I... It blows my mind. Sometimes I have to think about whether or not Disney owns me. 
Yeah. I, I've never worked for them, but, like, it's a real possibility. I feel like I didn't grow up as obsessed with Disney as some of my other friends have. Um, just because, like, I didn't have Disney Channel until, like, third grade or something. So, like, I, like, we didn't pay for that. So <laughs> I didn't watch all of those shows growing up that everyone else did. Um, and... Yeah, the like this the Disney company has like this following behind them that where like people watch every single thing they do. There are YouTube channels dedicated to the Disney parks or like the Disney movies or the Disney TV shows and stuff. It's wild. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just it's not easy to make content about Disney stuff. Like, in general, like, to make good things, it's hard. But they do have a lot of source material to work from. Yeah. They're just everywhere. Yeah, does like, you have consumed something Disney even if you don't- Even if you think you've avoided the company, which is the wild part. Like, the, the really- The part that blows my mind the most. Like- I remember it used to be a fun fact for me to be like, oh yeah, Disney owns ESPN. And now it's just like, oh my gosh, Disney owns ESPN. They they own the sports, they own networks, they own, the they own superheroes, and space, and nature, and yeah. I just... So I think this is all pretty good proof that Disney is using mergers to limit competition. Uh... Which mm -hmm. is a pretty common corporate strategy. You don't have to compete with someone when you can just buy their company. And rather than blocking these transactions for their negative long-term effects on competition and innovation, government regulators have waved them through because government regulators have to sign off on major mergers because they need to be able to prove that these companies aren't creating a monopoly. Monopolies mm -hmm. are technically illegal. Technically. Very technically. <laughs> yeah, and Disney would argue that it's not a monopoly because, like, every individual thing that they own um, has competition with it. So, like, for example, uh, ESPN is not the only network that airs sports. Like, um, NBC has the rights to the Olympics and things like that. But overall, there there are very few entertainment companies that own as I don't think there's any company that own any entertainment company that owns as much as Disney does. You say that um Disney's an oligopoly, like a media oligopoly. Can you explain what that means? Yeah. So as we've already said, monopolies are illegal, which is when one company shares controls a whole market. An oligopoly is when only a few companies share a whole market. Uh, think of like airlines, how there are only a few major airlines in America. This like state of limited competition can result has a market with fewer producers or sellers and makes it easier to work together with them to do things like controlling the prices or kind of creating a narrative together and keeping things in check. Like, um, technically there are other search engines 
But when we search for something online, we Google it, no matter what you use. Mm-hmm. Disney is part of yeah a media oligopoly, one of the very few companies that owns things, and as one of the most powerful ones, can do things, for example, like working with another media company, Sony, to produce Spider-Man movies, as Sony still technically owns the rights to Spider-Man, but the deal is definitely more advantageous for Disney and their child company? Marvel. <laughs> their child company. We always say parent company, but I think we should acknowledge that means that there are children. <laughs> um, yeah, and it and uh, this kind of media oligopoly makes it a lot more difficult for small businesses to uh, make their way into the industry without being bought out by something like Disney um, or just being completely wiped out because they don't have the control of the market that a company like Disney does. It is incredibly difficult to compete with someone that owns that much of the market share. I mean, I think last year Disney produced most of the major blockbusters mm-hmm. because between Star Wars and Marvel and just their Disney princess movies they kind of got us locked in yeah um they they really have something for everyone like you could say it's a good thing that they have something for everyone but it's also a bad thing when they keep that something from you like they withhold they're able to withhold what they want to withhold and they're able to produce what they want to produce without any like real scrutiny or real um changes to the company you know like for example i think there's a short on disney plus now with the gay character but up until like literally a few days ago there were no there were no gay characters Disney likes to provide what I call background diversity. Like, they acknowledge that characters exist. Yeah. Um, And, like, because one company is able to control so much of the media narrative, it creates this, like, kind of... Like, Disney creates the culture that we consume instead of the culture coming from diverse sources the way it should um and very like it like the culture should come from many many creators of many many different types of media instead of one massive corporation i think there was like definitely a time in relatively recent history where we living in different states would be living in basically completely separate cultures we wouldn't mm-hmm. be consuming any of the same media at all. Maybe occasionally a few books. But yeah. I mean when you when you consider like independent radio stations, like that was a thing and like things in pencil like radio stations in Pennsylvania would maybe not be playing the same music as radio stations in New York because that's just how it worked. And yeah, there there was a diversity of culture and taste, I think. Yeah. Instead of everyone watches 
the new Star Wars and everyone watches the new Disney princess movie because that's just what everyone does yeah. now. Star Wars is an evergreen media company. Mm-hmm. At no point in my imagination will a Star Wars movie ever fail because there are too many people that love the original series enough that they will keep going over and over again to experience and see more of this like beautiful space galaxy. But like these fans that keep giving Star Wars another chance and another chance and another chance didn't necessarily like Solo. <laughs> they did not like Solo and um the reason why Solo exists is because Disney bought out Lucasfilm and wants to wants a new Star Wars movie every single year and wants new Star Wars content every single year so that they can keep these Star Wars fans engaged and keep these Star Wars fans giving money to Disney. That's exactly what they want. So you get, you sometimes get crap like Solo. <laughs> sometimes you get Rogue One, which was a beautiful movie, I will say, but. But either way, I'm gonna keep giving them my money to see it, even if I don't mm-hmm. like it. Yeah, it's like we're stuck because we we have we grew up loving these media properties because we love stories and we love storytelling so much even though we don't necessarily want to support a massive corporation. Um yeah. And there's also I have limitations set on those stories because you can get formulaic at some points. Um <laughs> And also because Disney owns so many, so many, so, so, so many pieces of, like, property and copyright and just ideas that it makes it- Intellectual property. It just, it makes it more difficult for other people to break into things. Even though, like, Mm -hmm. Mickey Mouse, at this point, should be public domain. Under the laws he was created under, and even- for so long, Disney has been lobbying to extend what extend the time it takes for something to enter the public domain. I think the f- last year some things entered the public domain from like a hundred years ago, and it was the first time in my life anything's entered yeah. the public domain. Which is like, it's so interesting to me because Disney and like took so much advantage of. It still does take so much advantage of public domain properties like Rapunzel and Cinderella and like every Disney princess except for, well, also Frozen, but they changed Frozen too much to like actually call it like the Ice Queen story. Um, but like they took advantage of fairy tales that have and folk tales that have been told for centuries. Yeah. Like they, they weren't telling original stories at that point and they like they still aren't telling that many original stories um so um it it it's just interesting to me that they they'll take advantage of something but won't give back to that same thing i mean like i love hans christian anderson i love the grim brothers mm-hmm. all of the original stories freak me out too much to really spend a lot of time there <laughs> but like at this point it's more challenging to create Cinderella. Because we all have an idea yes. of who Cinderella is and what she looks like and what she sounds like and what like the mice and birds that she's friends with are like. Mhm. 
And because, although I will say the only real Cinderella in my book is Brandy. Oh, well, no, she was perfect. <laughs> yeah. But see, that's a different Cinderella than the Disney Cinderella because Disney has a very, or at least until very recently when di- diversity became a cool thing instead of a bad thing, they had a very formulaic Disney princess structure, which is a white, skinny princess. Yes. Does a thing. And I guess we should also <laughs> say. That the version of Cinderella with Brandy, the wonderful film, was mm-hmm. also produced by Disney. Was it actually produced by the, Disney? I thought the movie was. was so the story was from the Rodgers oh, okay. and Hammerstein. That's yeah, I know it was the Rodgers and Hammerstein musical, but oh, I did not know it was produced by Disney. Oh my god, we can't get away. It was produced by Disney. I guys like people. Neurali is currently having a meltdown. I am having a meltdown. Everything. I hate everything. I hate. But uh. Disney is bad, guys. Like it's a. It's a very large company that. Can do whatever the hell it wants, and I hate it. Disney produced this wonderful movie version of Rodgers and Hammerstein's Cinderella, a show that I love. They aired it on ABC. And all of us forgot that it was Disney doing it. I'm sorry I did this to you, but I'm more sorry that Disney did this to us. Disney did this to us. We can't. We can't escape. There's no escape. No. There's no escaping. Like Disney is the empire in Star Wars. Even though they push forward, like that's the crazy. That's that's like the wild thing about about this is like the stories they tell are so pro-independence, um, and pro, like, like, anti, like, the big bad guy, like, the big government, or, like, the big, like, do you understand, like, they're so pro-revolution, some of these stories, and then, and, like, pro-escaping, and, like, paving your own way, and being your own person, but the same company is telling that story over and over and over again. Yeah. Disney really loves stories about individualism and overthrowing regimes or whatever. Yeah, they're, they're selling us that story and showing us the, the lovely little Cinderella castle before it every single time so we stop, so we don't associate that wonderful Cinderella castle with the actual bad guy in the movie. <laughs> Disney is the bad guy in the Disney movie. Yeah, we uh, we have a culture that really has certain values. We like we like individualism. We like heroes rising from nothing. We love 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 stories about people who seem ordinary but re- discover they are exceptional. Before the pandemic, Disney was worth $230 billion and have been using that to create those stories of people coming from nothing and rising up with all of these advantages. They're just selling us a dream. They're selling us a dream that they will, they are making sure will not be a reality. Alright, so what can we do about this? Well, you can 
actively consume non-Disney and non-corporate media, support independent creators, and um, find the actual individualism and find the actual small, the, the actual little guy and the actual underdog instead of the underdog that Disney places in front of you. Um, just look for other things. Um, but what's the, what's the actual government thing we can do? <laughs> yes. Although, um, I would like to add before I say that, we feel free to support your favorite creators on Patreon. That really does help them make good, cool stuff that you like consuming and they like making because making things is expensive. It's expensive. Um, even if it doesn't seem expensive, like, even if it's just a YouTuber, um, like turning on their phone and filming a video it takes time to do that and it takes time to edit it and it, like these things take a lot of time and effort that you don't see in front of you necessarily so yeah really support independent creation um and uh now for the the government thing you can do because of course yes. we live in a society that has laws um so if you are concerned about Disney or big tech companies or any other major corporation that you feel is slowly taking over our society and everything in it, Amazon. If you're concerned about antitrust laws, you can contact your representatives in government, like your legislators, your congressman, your senator, and you can also contact federal agencies like the Federal Trade Commission and the Department of Justice and ask them to enforce our antitrust laws, specifically Section 7 of the Clayton Act, which prohibits mergers and acquisitions where the effect may be substantially to lessen competition or to tend to create a monopoly. That's, it's literally written into the law that Disney shouldn't be doing what they're doing, but they're still doing it. So. All of these companies are following the letter of the law. Our, all of our antitrust laws are about 100 years old, they don't know about the internet. They don't know about <laughs> phone companies, even. They, although the phone companies were successfully broken up, I, mm, at one point. At one point. At one point. <laughs> not, not so much anymore. But they, they came back together again. But they were successfully broken up once. For a bit. For a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> we have really old antitrust laws that we don't really enforce so and the best thing you can do to be an active citizen that cares about antitrust laws and large corporations taking over our culture uh is to ask people to write new antitrust laws that account for things like the internet because the last major antitrust action to have ever taken place was against microsoft when they, when they put Internet Explorers by default as the browser on all of their operating systems. That was the last antitrust action that we've really taken in any major way. Yeah, that was when Bill Gates wasn't like universally beloved, which was an interesting time. Yeah, yeah, let's, let's move on to good things. Please take action. Uh, you know, please be an engaged and active citizen. But let's talk about some, like, good things as we start to wrap up our podcast today. Um, 
So my good news is that according to a recent poll conducted by YouGov and the HuffPost, is that the majority of Americans, 69% of Americans, nice. think that it's a sign, thank you, think that it is a sign of respectfulness to wear a face mask when in public and near other people. Um, because most people in America do actually care about other people and they want us to be healthy and safe. Only 8% of Americans see wearing a mask as a sign of weakness, with 83% rejecting that interpretation. So although people on the internet are very loud, and although protesters are gathering in person to be mad about wearing a mask for public health, most people don't believe their narrative. Because most people care about public health and they want to protect their neighbors and be good neighbors to each other. And that's good news. That's really good news. Um, my good news is a, is um, a lot more frivolous, but um, equal, uh, equally I know also good. Equally good, also good, not equally good. Also yeah, good. I have no idea um, what your note means. <laughs> yeah, so it says uh, Niels uh, Hoberg lives again. I believe that is the way to pronounce this Swedish name. Um, so, I, I hate to break it to you, Katrina. It's Taylor Swift news. Oh, I haven't heard Taylor Swift news <laughs> in so long. What is she okay, up to? So, I, I, I was up till 3 a.m. last night because this happened. So, uh, last night, on ki in the opening credits of Killing Eve, a cover of Look What You Made Me Do played. Now, this cover was by... Um, some new band called Jack Leopards and the Dolphin Club. What a great name. <laughs> it's a great name. It's a weird new band. Um, and then very quickly, Swifties caught on to the fact that the producer was Niels Hoberg, um, which was Taylor Swift's alias um, when she worked briefly with Calvin Harris for Rihanna's song a few years ago. Um, and, and we also discovered that the Dolphin Club was um, Austin Swift, her younger brother's Twitter username in 2012. Okay, first of all, that's a great Twitter username, but also... <laughs> wow, what a what an older sister move to make. So no, so what we figured out is that Austin Swift did the vocals. Jack Antonoff, uh, Taylor Swift's uh, producer since 1989, um, per helped produce along with Taylor Swift this version of this song that they recorded on her birthday. Um, we know this because they Instagrammed a picture of Austin in the studio, surprising her for her birthday. Um, and the reason why it was so sneaky and so weird is because Taylor Swift does not own the masters to Look What You Made Me Do, which is off her album Reputation, which she did when she was on Big Machine Records label. Um, and if you've been keeping up with the news, the Taylor Swift news in the past year, you know that, um, all of her masters were sold to Scooter Braun. Basically, it was a victory for Taylor. Yeah, yeah. I am... I am not as engaged in Taylor Swift news, yes. but I really appreciate the update. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, so, our mega fact of the day. 
uh, which is how we end every episode, is that the oldest living mango tree is 300 years old and is found in East Kandesh? Yeah, East Kandesh. And the tree still produces viable fruit. Such an old tree. Oh, it's in Maharashtra. Hmm. Sure. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's a state in India. That's where Bombay is. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Cool. That's cool. Anyways, um, maybe when this is over, I can, like, go visit my grandparents and also see the mango tree. Yeah. I really like trees. I like when they are alive. Someone... Someone planted a mango tree, and it and it's still still giving fruit today. So do a good thing, because maybe three hundred years from now, that good thing will will create another good thing. Yeah, be nice to someone. Be nice to someone. Be good to plants. Eat a mango. Yeah. Eat a mango. Yeah. This has been the On Your Left podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. You can follow me at Katrina Ames on Twitter, and you can also support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash onyourleftpod. Nirali, where can we find you? You can find me at firewordsparkler on most everything. Sometimes with the, with the KLR, sometimes with the KLER. Thanks so much for listening to our episode on Disney and antitrust laws. We will be back next week. Bye. Bye.